I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everybody. It is All In Sports. Jake Seeley, your host, as always. You know me. Follow me at All In Kid, which you're doing anyway because you probably clicked on the tweet and checked the link to come here in the first place. But just in case you're not, maybe you came through today's guest, which is one of the great ones when you talk about the NFL draft. I've had Emery Hunt on, following up with another great one today. Next week, we're going to be doing a draft preview. The week after that, we're going to be doing a draft recap. So lots of NFL draft content if you want even more. And if you want more podcasting, because in case you you haven't seen or haven't noticed over at The Athletic, we have podcasting now. So I hope you've signed up because if you haven't, please do go to theathletic.com front slash all in sports for this show, get you 30% off your first year. And then they know this is a benefit. They know that you're listening and saying, you know what? This is so good. We've got to go over to The Athletic and get more so we can keep this one going for free. So make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're signing up, listening, and following the podcast. Sports Unsealed with myself, Chris Meany, and Brad Ziegler. Yes, that former pitcher that submarine inside the arming throwing whatever you want to call him i just I, I ran out of words there but in any case it's a great show today like i said if you want nfl draft you're gonna love today's show emory hunt set us up with the first time now we're following with dane brugler of the athletic it's going to be a ton of information a ton of things you need to know for fantasy and for the draft overall all skill position players but that's why i said if you go over to the athletic you read emory's calm you read dane's draft guide which is enormous you're going to get all the information you could possibly want so there's few better because if you're over at the athletic which you should be as i mentioned before and checking everything out over there there's discount codes and everything with glory to sign up but if you happen to be over there already and seeing the draft guide that dane brugler just put out you're impressed already so you're going to be impressed by the fact that he's on the show today if you want to be following him you should be at dp brugler uh, follow all his work. It's great insight every year. This is like, I feel your culmination's coming, Dana. That's what question for you is going to be, as soon as this draft is over, are you just going to go into like a hiatus for two weeks, like hibernation or something? Yeah, you know, make sure my, my wife hasn't left me. Uh, my kids remember my name, you know, that I'm daddy. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> just kind of those type of things. But, you know, yeah, it is kind of weird because you, you put so much into this draft and, you know, these players and, uh, after one weekend, it's just all done. You know, it's just, it's kind of like, uh, you know, and don't tell my wife I said this, but it's kind of like being pregnant, you know, like you, <laughs> you, you spend all these months uh, on this thing. And then all of a sudden one weekend, everything changes. And, but at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it'll be fun to kind of reflect and see, uh, okay, we talked about these guys for all these months. Now we actually get to talk about their fits and actually the teams that they're on and how that's going to play out. And, you know, projecting them uh, forward. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's part of the process. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a weird feeling uh, when draft weekend's over. <laughs> Daddy's back. Wait, is that, <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure. You know, it's yeah. funny you just said that because when I wrote up my piece and, you know, a little bit of a more fancy spin for mine, but I said when it came to the running backs and wide receivers, and you just kind of alluded to it, I'm assuming you agree, but maybe not. Maybe there's certain players. But I feel like this draft – and from what I can remember, so I'm, I'm going to off like off the top of my head say like the past decade, it feels like this draft more than ever is so dependent on where these players land more than I ever remember from covering the draft. Yeah, it, look, it always is, you know, but I, I think that you are 100 percent correct uh, because this year's draft, I don't think we have, uh, you know, uh, these premier talents at uh, receiver and running back where it's. You know, some of these guys are going to be scheme dependent. Some of these guys are going to be, it's going to depend on the depth chart that they go to, uh, you know, because a lot of these guys are projections and where they fit on that depth chart, uh, you know, the coaching staff in place, the scheme, uh, the situation with uh, the quarterbacks, 
uh, and just the, you know, where they are, the evolution of that offense, it's, it all matters. And it always matters you know, no matter, you know, what year, but I think you could make the case, especially for this year. Uh, you know, we might not have a running back or receiver drafted in the top 25 picks this year. That's a, it's a possible scenario, um, I- and, which is fascinating. So uh, you said, and you're you're 100% right. And I've seen a lot of people, the mock drafts running through everything. Here's one scenario I'm playing out. Just now for everybody out there that doesn't know, I'm I'm assuming most people do at this point. I'm the jaded Giants fan, uh, Dane, so you don't know. I took a hiatus. uh, Mm -hmm. Speaking of those, I'm basically, I I keep comparing it to the ex-girlfriend you saw getting engaged as soon as they trade Odell Beckham is now I can move on. I just like, I I don't care anymore. I'm not going to get upset anymore. I don't care what they do. You guys are idiots. And I keep going through my mock draft and I keep seeing them sitting there and I was like, all right, maybe they don't pull the Daniel Jones trigger on the first one and just completely just do what the Giants should do just because they're morons in my opinion. But I keep seeing that second pick and I'm like, I could see them trading back up to the Falcons pick and taking Daniel Jones. And then here's my one scenario. I know it, like, it doesn't make sense for their other needs, but is that one spot where you can see if Josh Jacobs happened to go into the top 20? If even if the Falcons don't trade out, is that not one team that seems to make a little bit of a sense of like, you know what, we don't know what Devontae Freeman has. Edo Smith's not like a real lead backfield type of guy. We still have a Super Bowl contending team. Matt Ryan's nearing the end. Julio's nearing the end. Why not bring in Jacobs? Does that make any sense to you? Because I've painted out that scenario. I just am I off my rocker here? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think that your last point was, I think, spot on with looking at the Falcons in their window. Uh, you know, of contention with Matt Ryan, with Julio Jones, uh, with some of those key pieces on defense, because they're going to have to, uh, you know, pay Deion Jones. And, you know, with Grady Jarrett, they seem to uh, not be close on a contract. So, you know, they have a window right now. And if you can add a talent like Josh Jacobs, who is going to add uh, just some energy to your offense, and he, his multidimensional skill set, it really allows you to do some different things. So, you know, I think it would be, a little surprising, you know, I, with the, you know, they just gave, you know, I not just gave, but recently gave Devontae Freeman an extension and, you know, his injury things last year, you, you worry about that moving forward, but it would be a surprise. But at the same time, when you really think about it, I don't think it'd be, uh, you know, a huge shocker because again, they have a window here, take advantage of, you know, the draft's all about adding impact players who is best going to impact uh, your roster. And that's where I think, you know, we talk about best player available and, things like that. It's, it's not necessarily best player available, but it's most impactful player for your team. Right. And that, the answer to that is not the same for every single team. For a, a player like Josh Jacobs, his impact for the team like the Falcons could be more than another team. And that's why you could certainly justify it, uh, especially once, once we get past like the top 10. Like everything, just throw everything out the window. You know, teams <laughs> kind of do what they want to do and, uh, you know, what makes the most impact. And so I, I don't think it's crazy. I, would I be surprised if it happened? Yeah. But I don't think you're crazy. All right. Fair enough. All right. So let's get into some of the players specifically. And one that, you know, I'm happy to see that you have number one at your quarterback position because well, let's talk quarterbacks for a second. And Emery has been on the show before and he and I both agreed and you're on the same page and we all have Dwayne Haskins number one. And that's not seeming to be, first of all, common to begin with. And even less so as we get closer to the draft that there's people now saying he might not go in the first round. And what is it? Because I know what we've talked about before, and I want to get your unbiased opinion, like not unbiased, unbiased from hearing what I have to say first mm-hmm. on why you have Dwayne Haskins first. Is Kyler Murray second only? And you can tie him into this. Is he only second because of the height issue that's a legitimate concern and the body mass and all that type of stuff? What's, what's your reasoning behind him being first? I'm a believer in the arm. I'm a believer in what he has above the neck and just watching him throughout the year last year, the maturation that he showed, um, you know, you, you do worry about the sample size, 14 career starts, um, you know, going back to 1973, there have only been three quarterbacks drafted in the first round with 15 starts or fewer. And there've been a hundred quarterbacks drafted in the first round over that span. Only three had 15 starts or fewer at the college level. Cam Newton, and even he doesn't even count because he had starts at the JUCO level. Uh, then also Mark Sanchez and Mitchell Trubisky. So it's not a very common thing to see a guy, a one-year starter, at quarterback, have that small sample size and still go high in the draft. But I think Dwayne Haskins is worthy because I think he has a, a big-time arm and not just velocity but accuracy. I think that the, uh, the, you know, the football acumen is there in terms of his ability to read and make whole field reads. 
the offense that he comes from uh, certainly aided in kind of his, uh, you know, the ability to make those quick reads where he wasn't asked to, uh, you know, really break down the defense post-snap. A lot of it was pre-snap reads, and that's fine. I mean, I think that's you know kind of the norm in college football. But with Haskins, you do worry about the lower body and the mechanics and the ability to you know find those second chance throws. It's not the most natural thing for him, and that's you know we just saw Russell Wilson become the highest paid player in the NFL, and a big reason is because of those second chance throws, what he can do with his legs, and that's not what Dwayne Haskins does best. And in the NFL, you have to be able to do that because almost every pocket that you are throwing is going to be a little muddy. And so you have to be able to navigate through that. And so, but I think when you watch him, I think it's his issues are more experience based and not talent based. And so I'm a believer that Haskins will get better and better. And I, I love the fit for Haskins at 11 with the Bengals. I, I think with Zach Taylor, uh, the new head coach taking over, I put Dwayne Haskins in there, let him learn under, under Andy Dalton. It's kind of a similar uh, scenario when, Andy Dalton, uh, you know, when you know, Carson Palmer kind of you know, ran his course in Cincinnati, they went to Andy Dalton. Could be the similar type of thing with Dwayne Haskins there. So I love that fit. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. Where Haskins is going to go, it's really a wild card situation. But I think we do know that Kyler Murray is going to go one. At least that's, you know, a week out. That's kind of where we are. Um, my, my evaluation with Kyler is just – I, I do worry about the size to an extent. You know, I, I'm not going to get too hung up on it. I, it would not stop me from drafting him, but I think more so than the height is just the build and, you know, being able to take consistently all those hits right. at the NFL level. But more so than that is just because when you study his tape, you're watching him in an offense that is tailor-made for him behind the best offensive line in college football with some big-time talent around him, you know, Marquise Brown, C.D. Lamb, uh, a good stable of running backs in a conference that doesn't have premier pass rush. Um, you know, that the average college football fan can't really tell you, you know, the three best pass rushers in the big 12 this year. Uh, it's the secondaries leave a lot to be desired. The defense as a whole. So, you know, it just, if you watch his tape and he has four or five, six seconds to throw back there and in the NFL, everything's so much faster. And, you know, I just think some of it's not going to work. And we saw that a little bit in the Orange Bowl against Alabama when things were a lot faster. And he did struggle for a little bit to speed things up and make plays. And, it, you know, he still got his. And that's why, you know, I still think he's a very instinctive player. I, 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 would, I would draft him in the first round. But it's not a, you know, a, a no doubt about it. Like, there are some holes in his transition that you do kind of worry about. Yeah, of course. And that's the tough thing. Like every time you watch tape, that's if you go down to Rodney Anderson, it was like, all right, how do we evaluate and know when we see so much of a stretch defense, most of his snaps? And it's like, so yeah, I love that point there. And that's a big reason why I'm with you on this with I have Haskins and they're both in tier one for me. I do tiers for everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're both in my tier one. So speaking of tier ones, I want to jump to running back. And I'm not surprised because, uh, you know, there's very few. This is one where very few people are on the same page. Actually, Emery and I agree. There's a lot of people who don't, and I have no problem with that because there's a lot of questions around. I'm not going to lie, but I have Darrell Henderson in my tier one. Uh, I look at what he's done, and I understand that the size for just what we're talking, what you and I are talking about today uh, for the people that are listening are also looking for the fantasy spin. And when I put the fantasy spin on him, I say, I understand that somebody's probably not going to draft him as a workhorse. I mean, I just, first of all, I don't think it would make sense. Second of mm -hmm. all, yeah, I don't think that he's going to be in a situation where he's going to be leading the backfield right out of the gate, but I see the potential for him to be able to do that. I love his breakaway ability. I just, I look at that. And I know he's coming from Memphis and I know you look at the talent and you watch the tape, and you see who he's facing. But for me at the same time, and you watch that 8.9 yards per carry two years in a row. And for me, he's on my tier one, but why for you, is he not quite as high? Yeah, I have a third round grade on him. Uh, he's my number six running back. I like him a lot. I mean, there, you, right. there's, you mentioned the 8.9. I mean, it's, that's hard to, you know, not appreciate it regardless. Um, you know, he's built low to the ground. Uh, I love the way he can, uh, once he has a little bit of a runway, uh, he really, especially off tackle, that's where he does best. That's why I'd love to see him in, in a zone scheme where he can have that little bit of a runway slanted and go and, uh, he has that speed where he can make things happen. 
uh, what I, I just worry about that can offense that he's coming from. Which, hold on. I want to jump. Sorry to cut you up, but real quick. Can we, can we, maybe you can come up with it. We do. We need a term for that because I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's not downhill because everybody's always like, Oh, what are you right, right. But it's like maybe runway. Maybe you just came up with it. That's a good way to put it. Like that, like he has runway speed. Can we say yeah. that? No, I, no, I like that. Yeah. I think that's because when you watch him, that's where he was best, where he had that little bit of a runway where he could run off tackle or, uh, you know, it's, uh, it worked really well for him because he, not only just the speed, but his eyes too, his ability to, you know, break down what he was seeing, anticipating those blocks and setting up those second level moves. Uh, you know, he does a really nice job of that, but I think almost to a point he needs that, you know, he needs that little bit of a runway to do so. Uh, he's not going to be an inside banger. Uh, I don't think that's what he does best. Um, and you know, I worry a little bit about when you watch Memphis, not just his tape, but you watch the other running backs you know, like they were doing similar things. Like, you know, like they were, there are other running, but Tony Pollard, he averaged over seven yards per carry. Their third right. uh, back, he was over five yards a carry. Like their other guys are really productive because the holes that they were running through were, were gaping. I mean, they were huge. And so when those holes aren't there and in the NFL, they're consistently not going to be there. That's where I have a little bit of a, a struggle with him. Is he still going to be able to produce at a high level? Uh, I, you know, I still obviously really like him. I just think that because I think Memphis's offense really helped, uh, you know, uh, sh let him shine. And that's awesome. I just don't know if it's going to be as easy for him at the NFL level. Still, I think he's going to be productive. Hopefully he goes to the right uh, situation uh, where he can thrive. Um, but I think it'll, it's gonna, just going to be a little tougher for him uh, against NFL defenses who know what's coming and, you know, might be able to scheme to stop it. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I, I get all the cut the counterpoints. And again, you, as you said, you have number six. It's not like for everybody being out there to make that clear. It's not like you have him 15 and I have him number two. So. Right. Well, and one, one other thing that I like about him is he's a proven pass catcher. I mean, he had, I think, right. over, like over 20 catches each of his three years. Um, and I was told, um, you know, I cut up with a – Memphis had like one of the last pro days. And one thing I love about my draft guide um, and you know, one of the reasons it was so late coming out is I wanted to get all the pro day information in there. And so Memphis had one of the later pro days and I was on the phone with a scout who was there just, you know, getting down all the numbers. Um, so we had them, uh, for the draft guide and he, he's given me, uh, Henderson's numbers who he didn't, I, he, he didn't run. He did like, the short shuttle and three cone, things like that. Uh, but he said, make sure you write this down he's his positional stuff. He was outstanding catching the ball during his drill. And that, that was the biggest takeaway from the pro day. So that, that is something that his, his ability to catch the ball in the backfield, certainly something that'll help him. Um, and, and why I think he's a good chance to be one of the top five backs drafted. Yeah. And it's, I, I know you were at the combine too. And the question, one of the most common questions I was asking the players is what's your most underrated skill. And if somebody's coached them up because all of them were mm -hmm. saying uh, pass catching, pass blocking, people don't realize how good I am. So they, right. they know that the, the NFL has turned that way and definitely wants it. Just speaking of a uh, running back that it wasn't getting a lot of talk. And all of a sudden these last two weeks, I feel like everybody's like, Oh yeah, we forgot about, I don't, I don't understand this. Like, I, I don't know if you saw me tweet it out, but just, I, I love the group think within the last two weeks heading up to the draft is like everybody, somebody mentions something and all of a sudden people jump on board and it's just, it's funny. Like where, where was this two months ago? And for me, one of them was Bryce Love. He's in my tier two. You have him up your, on your board. And it feels like two months ago, people were like, eh, I just, I don't know if he's got anything in the NFL. And the people will go back and look. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's remember how elusive this guy was. Let's, let's remember how many tackles and how many big plays this guy could put together. I have a feeling that's, that's probably why where you have him. Yeah, well, and with Bryce, it's, the conversation's tough, obviously, because he has the ACL. And right. he's, he's, he's an undersized guy. He's only 200 pounds. And we saw this past year, uh, you know, he battled a, a lot of injuries. He struggled to stay healthy. And then kind of the culmination of that was the ACL injury uh, in the final game of the year. So, uh, you know, you're almost, you're talking about a player that probably has to take a red shirt year uh, as a rookie. I mean, at, at best, he's going to be a pup guy and you're going to only have him for the second half of the year. And that's at best. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's, he's, I, he, he can be really good, you know, with volume, but you worry about the volume because th does he have the body type to handle all that? But, you know, his junior year uh, was so special, 2017. Uh, you know, he had 
13 straight games with at least one 30 plus yard rush. Um, I, he had over, I think he was 13 um, carries of 50 yards or more. Like that's just, that's uncanny uh, for uh, a running back. And so um, there is so much ability, so much talent, but you do worry about the durability and not only the ACL, but just moving forward, can his body hold up? Um, and, you know, this is a really smart guy. Like this is a guy who, you know, people talking about how, oh, he lost money going back for senior year, but you, he regrets it. No, he doesn't regret it at all because he cares about school. He cares about graduating. Uh, he wants to be uh, a, a doctor because he, when he was little, he had pneumonia and he had a doctor cure that and basically save his life. And ever since then, he's wanted to be a doctor. And so his education uh, is really important to him. And so, it, you know, after getting hurt a few years in the NFL, is he going to be able to, or is he going to want to say, you know what, I'm going to walk away with this with, you know, still being relatively healthy. So there are so many things with Bryce Love that you have to factor in. But just talking about the talent, you're talking about a top 50 player. I mean, in this draft, uh, talent-wise, no question. But when you factor in the medicals and everything else, that's where it gets a little murky and it's kind of hard to peg exactly where he's going to go. Yeah, for sure. So somebody else, speaking of the pass catching, this is my little bit of a concern for his, as is the small school. Uh, somebody that a lot of people hadn't noticed or taken down the name of, and then not saying for you, but for a lot of people out there, started to realize this kid's name because it's from Appalachian State. You know, it's not like the scouting trail is out at Appalachian State. Uh, it's funny, like I, I referenced Emory before, but he had something out, I think it was in February about him, and I think the most common response was like, who the heck is this kid? So <laughs> Jalen Moore, you look at what he does, and there's a lot to like. Uh, my concern, and I don't know if it's yours, but you do have him inside your top 10, mm -hmm. is is the pass catching, if that's going to come around because he hasn't seen a lot of that as a receiver. And then, of course, the small school concerns. Where, where are you confident enough the fact that you have him 10th at running back? Yeah, and, you know, I, I know I'm a lot higher on him than a lot of people. Um, it, you know, first off, the big thing is just coming off the injury. He had a really gruesome um, you know, broken ankle uh, you know, midway through his senior year, which ended his senior season, kept him out of – uh, the Senior Bowl, which is a big hit. Um, he was actually the first guy invited to the Senior Bowl. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to uh, participate in that, wasn't able to participate at the Combine, and was very limited at his pro day. Uh, just, you know, did the jumps and did the short shuttle, and that's it. Wasn't able to run a 40. Uh, wasn't really able to, you know, be a big contributor. And you mentioned the pass catching, only 23 career receptions. And so that, you know, unlike a Daryl Henderson, uh, who, you know, was able to show what he could do during workouts, Jalen Moore hasn't been able to do that. Um, and so that was, a, you know, unfortunately, a big missed opportunity for him. And still, when you watch my tape, and, you know, you mentioned the, the smaller school thing, but at the same time, you can watch him against Penn State, and he's breaking tackles. Um, right. he, he's so, he, he runs so – not only the quickness, but the balance, the power that he runs with. Uh, he really makes it uh, a chore on defenders uh, to finish him off. Uh, love the cuts that he makes. Uh, he sets up his runs, just a relentless player. Uh, so the talent's there. I think the competitive nature is there. Um, as long as he stays healthy, I, I think he's going to surprise some people with what he can do in the NFL. But again, uh, you, you mentioned it, the, the pass catching, that's going to be a big part of it. He needs to show that that's going to be a, a part of his game that he can flush out and be, uh, he can make, uh, incorporate uh, into, uh, into an NFL offense. All right, let's get some wide receivers in, and we probably won't even get to all the ones that had on the list because that's what happens when you talk draft. You never get everything in. Uh, let's yeah. talk about the guy that's got like 17 commercials going on right now. <laughs> and <laughs> he's the biggest name, and that's understandable. It's DK Metcalf. Uh, you don't have him first. I don't have him first. Uh, there's a good amount of people that have come around to that. There's still a lot of people who do have him first, but we know the concerns. We know, like, we know what DK Metcalf is, that he's a freak of nature, size, skill, athleticism, except for what we've talked about with the shuttles and that kind of agility. And then, of course, you know, you have a little bit of concerns with the, the drops issue. But on the flip side of it, that's where you say, all right, is that stuff we can work out? You know, people throw out the Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones comparisons and like, oh, they even run those shuttles. So, you know, maybe it's the same thing. I was like, oh, you know, that's that's a lot to put on somebody who we have the evidence of the struggles with. So where are you in this whole DK Metcalf situation? Are we talking about it, it? Let me ask you it this way. Is he a possible generational? And I hate to use that word because it's so overused. But to understand what I'm saying, is he a potential, let's say, elite wide receiver with a floor of being a Darrell Green Beckham when we never hear about him in three years? 
Uh, I mean, I don't think he has the ceiling of like a Julio Jones. Like I don't, I don't see that. Um, now he, he is my number one receiver actually. Um, but oh, he's, really? I, th- I thought you had him like number two or three. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, but I have him Marquise Brown and AJ Brown, like really close together. And okay. they're like, they're one, two and three, but and they're all in the late first round. Uh, it, like DK Metcalf is my top receiver, but he's 27 overall. So I'm not like super high on him. I'm, I, you know, it's just the physical traits. You can't teach that. You can't coach that. And so, you know, there's, I'm, I'm going to bet on those traits at some point in the late first, early second round, but I, there's a lot of holes in his game that, you know, he doesn't as powerful as he looks, he doesn't play as powerful, you know, especially at the catch point, uh, you know, the, the, at the NFL level, there's a lot of big guys who are athletic, but what really separates them is the technical aspect, uh, you know, their route prowess. And that's something that DK Metcalf, he has to get better at if he's Thank going you. to take his game to the next level. He's, he's a rudimentary route runner. That's just who he is right yeah, now. Yeah, I said he drifts himself into coverage basically at times. Right. He, and he, and yeah, part of that is understanding how to, you know, understand what he needs to do from a lower body perspective with his footwork. Some of it is recognizing coverages. Um, you know, it's a dance uh, with corners. And he just doesn't, he's a novice uh, right now at, uh, at that dance. And so uh, the struggles, uh, finishing catches, you know, the drops, that's definitely part of it. Uh, the medicals are a part of it as well. But, for a guy that's as big as he is, 230 pounds, had the best 10-yard split at the combine. I mean, that's that's something that's just it's freaky. And so, the, I don't I don't even know who you compare him to because he's not Calvin Johnson. Like that's right. that's just that's not who he should be compared to. He's not Julio Jones. He's almost like a, a souped-up version, a much bigger version of Ted Ginn. You know, because he has that <laughs> vertical speed right, where right. he can stretch out the defense, but he's linear. You know, he's and not the, going and to the hands beat. issue, <laughs> right? Exactly. He's not going to you know uh, you know beat defenders with these uh, you know dynamic complex routes. It's just that's not going to be his game, and I, it probably never will be because as the short shuttle, the three cone showed, he doesn't have that elite change of direction. Uh, now, I think he can survive at the NFL level. You know, just keep it simple with one cut routes. You know, he can thrive on slants and outs and you know different things you don't have to make it too complicated but I don't think he's ever going to be that complex route runner um, you know where he's going to defeat uh, coverages with his technical skill he's always going to have to rely on those physical traits and I think he can get there but people who are going to be expecting this number one receiver especially as a rookie I think you're going to be disappointed so it really will be interesting to see where DK Metcalf goes in the draft is it going to be in the top 25 uh, not everyone in the NFL loves him I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's not the first receiver drafted. So uh, the DK Metcalf conversation is, is certainly a fascinating storyline on day one. Now, you spoke a lot about route running there, and let's go to the next one because here's one where we actually differ a little bit on. And I'm a big Nikhil Harry fan, and I'll give you my side of things, and then you can tell me. And again, it's not like for everybody out there. This is why you go to The Athletic and sign up if you haven't seen it yet so you can see where Dean has everybody ranked specifically. That's why I haven't really given too many numbers because I don't want to give away the farm, so to speak. But I am a Nikhil Harry. I have four guys in my tier one. They're the Browns. I have both the Browns, Metcalf, and I put Harry there. I have Harry mm-hmm. with them. And I see a lot of people talking about the route running, the separation. I'm going to say two things about the separation, and then you can you know, kind of counterpoint and tell me your, your opinion on him. Is One is I will agree he needs to be crisper out of his routes. There's no question about that. But I think he's a better route runner than people say. And I think the separation, in my opinion, after watching him was overblown because I feel like with better quarterback play, he got thrown into coverage or had to stop a lot of times and adjust, where if you have a, even a decent quarterback, he's getting a lot of those routes in motion and doesn't have that. And then the second part of that is even when it comes to separation, you and I both know this, at the NFL level, what is separation anyway? I want to see somebody that can make the catches with somebody on his back, and Nikhil Harry, for me, is doing that time and again. So there's my case for Nikhil Harry. Yeah, and I think I agree with um... – a lot of what you're saying. Um, I, I just, when you, and see this, it's an interesting conversation because I think we're very similar with the evaluation part of it, but the valuation part of it is where we differ. And, okay. you know, like that's, and, that, and that's an interesting part of the scouting process is evaluating a prospect, understanding what he does best, what he does, you know, really well, what he needs to improve upon. But then there's a secondary part, which is the valuation, which is trying to, uh, best understand, okay, what is his value in the draft and how does that project to the next level? And that's, it, it is difficult. I think with Nikhil Harry, I think he's, I, it just worries me that I just see a methodical player. Like I don't, 
I don't see burst, you know, like at the top of his routes. And I, I think that he, you know, I, I think you're right on about him having like, the big hands, physical. He can, you know, have a, a defensive back as, as a backpack and still make catches. Like he's shown time and time again, he can do that. But I think just those windows are going to be a lot smaller and you have to have a really confident quarterback to throw to those tight windows. You know, if you have a receiver that can separate, at least even if it's a step of separation, that quarterback's going to have confidence that he can make that throw, um, even if it's just a step of separation. With Nikhil Harry, I, you know, it, he struggled to separate consistently versus Pac-12 corners. I think it's going to get even tougher versus NFL corners. And if you don't have just a half, not, well, a half step of separation, it's going to be tougher for you. And so, uh, you know, can he overcome that? And I think he can, but I'm just not as confident. And that's why the valuation for me isn't as high because I still have some questions there about him being able to beat coverage. And, and that's why I almost like, I like him best in the slot as like a big slot receiver. <laughs> I was, you, you jumped in. That's where I was going. That's that yeah. going to be my follow-up for you. I was going to say if a team, so I, this is something I even admitted in mine. And it said, Tom, if somebody asks him and drafts him to be purely outside, I mm-hmm. will immediately downgrade him as soon as he's drafted. But I said, if somebody uses him like a Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, if somebody puts him in that type of situation, I'm going to stick with my opinion of him in tier one. Yeah, and, and I think that's where I would like him a lot more as, as a big slot receiver um, because that's where after the catch, you know, his ability to, uh, uh, you know, he won't have to necessarily separate uh, as an inside player. He can manipulate the middle of the field you know, we know he's a big guy. He's 230 pounds. He can, uh, you know, use that toughness over the middle of the field. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think that that's where he fits best and where it makes a lot of sense. But then there's also the valuation of an inside player and, you know, how does he, you know, the importance of that compared to, okay, can you find a guy like that later on? You know, that, and so that's why there's right. another wrinkle of the valuation part. So the, the Nikhil Harry conversation is something that, you know, we could – talk on and on and on about because it is really interesting all the different layers <laughs> no you're 100 right and what you just said too is to go back to it and i brought up his name michael thomas and i said when he was drafted at the time there's no better fit skill wise than mm-hmm. the team that drafted him but to your point michael thomas wasn't drafted inside you know the top 15 picks in the end of the so yeah i think that's a really good one i'm going to pivot to this next one i'm going to give you a statement i said i'm just going to leave the statement there <laughs> because we kind of agree about his ranking but i want to see if you appreciate my uh my comparison, because people love comps. Oh, yeah. I, I said, for me, Hakeem Butler is Devin Funches with a spit more speed. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I could see that. I mean, it's trying to figure out Hakeem Butler's comparison. You know, who does he remind you of? Like, you know, you hear Plaxico Burris, you see a little bit of that. And uh, Devin Funches, you know, I, I like that. And he definitely, Butler definitely has him on speed. I mean, Funches was a 4-6 type of guy. Um, you know, talking about if he's a tight end or a receiver, there's no doubt Hakeem Butler is a receiver. Um, I, I, is he, remember, remember James Hardy out of Indiana like, yeah. like 10, 10 years ago? I mean, that, that's kind of what I, I get James Hardy vibe, vibes from Butler. I, and I don't think he's going to be James Hardy, who was a second round pick and, you know, spent uh, like a, two seasons in the league where he, he flamed out. I'm not I saying like he's going to be like that. just like pitch and catch, like that, that's it. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't see a, a very skilled route runner. Um, I, I think when you factor in what he faced at the Big 12 level, um, the, the, that level of caliber of corner, um, I, just, I, I think the, the difficulty level of some of those 50-50 balls are just going to be astronomically higher. Um, the difficulty level at the NFL level when he's facing NFL-level corners. You know, so those 50-50 balls in the Big 12 – are going to be 2080 balls in the NFL. And he's just, he's not going to come down with as many of them. So I don't, you know, I, I don't see a guy that you're going to be able to rely on as a, as a true number one. Maybe he can develop into a number two, but it's going to take some work. He needs to be a more consistent finisher, he needs to be, uh, you know, kind of a lot of the, a lot of the conversation we're having with these bigger receivers, just being a better route runner. Like it's great that you have the physical traits, the size, some speed, uh, the physicality. But you have to be able to uh, be a little more adept as a route runner because every step matters. Uh, you know, you just can't be an athlete out there in the NFL. Having the chemistry with your quarterback, uh, understanding coverages, you have to be able to uh, be a technically skilled player at the receiver position 
to succeed at the NFL level. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, besides maybe, uh, you know, Andy, Randy Moss was able to go out there and just be an athlete, but, you know, he was a terrific route runner. You know, people don't talk about that enough with a guy like that. Terrell Owens, same type of thing. You have to be, you know, the best receivers, yes, they were great athletes. Yes, they were uh, able to use their physical skills uh, to uh, be as dominant as they were, but you have to be able to, uh, you know, the technical part of the game is such a big part of it. And Hakeem Butler, I just don't see it with him. And maybe he can develop that, but I think that's why there's such a big uh, discrepancy in a lot of the rankings with him. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so this next one, you might not even have to go that far into because I have a feeling this might be a very similar Nikhil Harry conversation and somebody that I have higher, but maybe it's for the same reason as J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Can we just call him Jaw? Can we do that? Can we just, like, do some, <laughs> uh, sounds good to me. Yeah. Is, is that the basically because I am I right up? I even said this is another if he's in a Smith Schuster, Doug Baldwin type of role, he could be a wide receiver too. If somebody asks him to play outside, I'm going to bump him down to wide receiver three. Like, is it just is this just another Nikhil Harry? And to your point of because he's limited to that not complete skill set, but being better in that facet, that you can just get the valuation later. Yeah, and I think with him, with uh, with JJ, it's I, he, I think he's just he's too specialized right now. Like you, you want him to be a basketball player on grass. That, that's what you're asking him to do, basically, because he's he's really good at boxing out, high pointing rebounding the football, basically being a basketball player uh, out there for you. And so in the red zone, uh, when you're, you know, on third down, like that's really where he's going to shine, but just, I don't know, on a consistent snap by snap basis. That's where, you know, I think I really have the, you, you struggle with his evaluation because he's not, you know, uh, manipulating coverages with his routes. He's not, you know, separating on his own, creating that own, creating his own separation where he's going to be able to help out his quarterback but at the same time, he just has an uncanny ability to go up and get the football, box out uh, corners, especially uh, guys that are, you know, he, he towers over. So I don't even know if he's necessarily going to be an impact in the slot. I just think that, uh, you know, he's going to be more of an impact on in situations more so than a formation. So I think he's specialized right now. And it's just about can he round out the rest of his game to be a more consistent snap by snap player. Uh, that, that to me, that's where the big question mark comes in with our second white side. Okay. A little sidebar real quick is I like where you have Miles Blakin. I've been talking about him for a heck of a long time. Marie and I talked about him at depth. So if you want to go back and listen to that podcast, again, if you want to go to the athletic, you can check out, you can see where Dane has Miles Blake. And I'm going to pray for everybody out there. I kind of bring him up on every podcast possible. I bring up him and Travis Fulgham because I went to ODU mm. and I, I sat with Fulgham for like 15 minutes at the combine. So I keep bringing them up in almost every single one, but I've talked about him so much that that's why I even put him in the list. But another one, and I'm kind of curious about, and I just want to get your valuation and then I'll come back with mine this time, kind of turning around is Emmanuel Hall. Like, uh, actually, you know, I'm not going to tell you, just you tell me your opinion on Emmanuel Hall and then I'll tell everybody wh where you have him in comparison to where I do. Well, I really liked Emmanuel Hall. Um, I liked him a lot. Uh, 6'2", 200 pounds, 4'3", speed. Uh, he, you watch him on tape and he, he gets downfield and literally has to stand there and wait for the ball to get to him because he, and that's hard to do because Drew Locke has a cannon, but he's yeah. so fast that he can get out or he can stretch the field, stack corners and get behind the defense uh, with his track speed. But the problem with Emmanuel Hall, and I, I think he's a second round talent. The problem with Emmanuel okay. Hall is he can't stay on the field. Uh, it's always something with a lower body injury um, you know, he kind of uh, scouts really wonder, can he, does he have the toughness, the competitive nature to battle through those injuries and stay on the football field? Because that's not something he was able to do, but when he's on the field, he's a playmaker. I, I mean, you could just look at I mean, Drew Locke would be the first one to tell you. He, he literally called Emmanuel Hall, uh, his blankie. Uh, he said he was freezing without Emmanuel Hall out there. And it showed in the, in the record with Emmanuel Hall, there were seven, Missouri was seven and oh. Without Emmanuel Hall, they were one in five uh, this past year uh, in 2018. And part of that is, you know, the schedule and, and the stretch of games in the SEC. But nonetheless, uh, Emmanuel, they were, they were a different team with Emmanuel Hall out there as part of that offense because he is an explosive player. And again, love the talent. I just, I have him in the fourth round because I don't know if I can trust him to stay on the field and be a guy that's going to push through injuries, especially those lower body injuries that, uh, continually popped up for him. 
Okay. You know what? Then we don't actually disagree that much at all. So I have a giant tier of wide receiver. And that's like what I said is so much of the landing spot is going to play a factor this year is, you know, Mm -hmm. I have like seven, eight guys in tiers this year where last year, you know, there's like four or five and I might have one with a seven. So we're Mm -hmm. actually, it's, it's funny you say that. I I actually agree quite a bit. My, my bigger concerns along with yours that you didn't mention is just the ball tracking has been improving, but to your point of like getting downfield with the routes, it's like I feel like sometimes he's looking the wrong way and has to readjust. And right. his ability makes him get there, but he, that's going to be a little bit diminished at the the NFL level. And then the other, the last part was he gets too much Antonio Brown, like where he, the ball just gets on top of him. And mm-hmm. not that I mean Antonio Brown has one of the best careers of all time, but that's a lot to put it like that's not the norm. So I would just like to see him, you know, get those hands out a little bit more. But everything you said, I'm, I'm right on par for. Okay, so fair enough. We're on the same page of that one. How about this one? Stanley Morgan, I know de- definitively we're wide gap on this one. I have him a lot higher than you do. And um, maybe this is a fit situation. Maybe this is a valuation situation. But I'm kind of, kind of curious your thoughts on Stanley Morgan. Yeah, and and I do like Stanley Morgan uh, because I, I I really appreciate his game. Um, he his play. But he's strength. only a slot guy. Is that what you're going to say? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say because I, I think he has the route running ability. Where you know, I, I think maybe to be the most productive, you know, I, maybe in a slot. But I, mean, I think he is the route runner that you're looking for. Um, I don't see necessarily burst into his game uh in his releases and and out of his breaks and so i I think separation is going to be a problem for him but because he is um you know such a coordinated route runner he's very balanced like he knows what he's doing out there um i I think that does uh play a big part and he's been productive i mean he was went over a thousand yards this past year um i think he he finished uh number one in school history and uh and catches receiving yards so uh, there's a lot to like about him. And, and what, another thing that I really like about him and talking to uh, some of his coaches at Nebraska, they just rave about his passion. Like how, like after the game at the final game, like he was just in tears and like, he's, he, he loves football. He loves his teammates. And I think that shows as well. So I do have him a little bit lower just because I, I don't see, you know, uh, deep speed. I don't see the separation consistently. <laughs> but I think he's a quality possession guy. And, you know, those guys are a little bit, uh, I don't want to say dime a dozen, but, you know, you can find those guys. And so that's why I have uh, Stanley Morgan in the fifth round. But I I do really like him. I do really appreciate his game. (laughs) It's funny. I I don't know if you heard me chuckle, but I'm laughing because the very first set. So for everybody out there that hasn't read it, which I don't know why you wouldn't have it yet, I do plus, minus, equals. That's what Mm. I do for everyone. So I give you the good, the bad, and then what I think overall is my take. The very first part of my negative for him, good athleticism, but lacking top end speed and amazing burst. Like you just, yeah. <laughs> that's why I was chuckling is because like, Hey, it's basically saying exactly what I said. So right. I, just think, I just think he's another one. And the reason I preface the question that way is because I do feel he's like the prototypical slot wide receiver, but to put him in that in the NFL, you need a team that's valuable down three. Like you need the Rams. You need somebody that's valuable three wide. You need somebody that's going to get that kind of use. You know, you throw them on a team where that, you know, they barely even use a three wide set and that's going to be limiting those upside. So I'm with you. I, Again, this is why I love talking these out because it's funny. Like you, you have like rankings and tiers and stuff like that, and you find out you're on the same page as a lot of guys. Um, we're a little limited on time, so I'm going to finish off. That's it for wide receivers. You want more? Like I said, go over, check out Dane Brugler's stuff on the Athletic. I just want to hit tight ends real quick before we get out of here. And there's two that I just had. Oliver won the same page for uh, Mac. We're a little bit different. We're going to hit Oliver first. Oliver now I think is going to depend for you, Dane. So Dane is purely, as if you d- didn't know, he's purely NFL, NFL draft, NFL everything. I'm putting the fantasy spin on him. So I think inherently I'm going to like Oliver a little bit more than you do because the one thing you don't like about him is the blocking. Mm. Yeah, and well, and I think he he got better in those area, you know, in that area. Um, I and watching San Jose State, uh, you know, like it could be tough because it they were a bad team, a really bad team. And, but I, I had a chance to, I did a story on Josh uh, in November and uh, really enjoyed talking to him, getting to know him a little bit better. And then I, as part of the story, I talked to the head coach and he told me that they literally in the playbook had uh, plays called FTS plays, feed the stud plays. And they were specifically <laughs> to get Josh all over the football and he was like he, their number one. Like their oh no no easy. Yeah. Yeah, it, of his fifty six catches as a senior, thirty eight of them resulted in a first down or touchdown. I mean, he was their go to guy 
uh, especially when they needed uh, on, on a money down where they needed a play. That's who they went to. Uh, and, and he dealt with uh, three different starting quarterbacks this past year, and he was still able to be productive. So I'm a believer in Josh Oliver and what he can be. Um, you know, I think that he's not going to overpower anybody as a blocker, but I think he's good enough. And I mean, he came in at number 99 on my overall board. So I, I do, I do like him as a possible top 100 pick, maybe a late third rounder, early fourth rounder, clearly the top senior in this class uh, among the tight ends, uh, in my opinion. So I think his best football is ahead of him. Um, you know, this, this tight end group is just a, it's a loaded group. And so, you know, Josh Oliver for me is tight end seven, but uh, a guy that I would consider in the top 100 picks. All right. Last one. We'll get out of here. And like I said, go make sure you go to the athletic sign up if you haven't. And it's Alizé Mack. And well, so two things: were, were you in? I don't know because I know you had a ton of stuff going on at the draft. Were you in where they handed out the sheets and told you where all the players were at the podiums? Did you get one of those? Uh, I didn't get. I, I used um, when they had it up on the TVs. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, so I used the, that, which is what a lot of us use. But they, I got the paper too, and I uh-huh. wanted. To, I want. I didn't get to Mac because for everybody that doesn't know, the Notre Dame contingent because it's very close by travels in droves. Like every you, you could find the, <laughs> the Notre Dame player because there's about twelve or fifteen people around their podium or table, and. When Mac came out, I just wanted to ask him what the right way to pronounce his first name was because I watched a hell of a lot of Notre Dame and it was always Alize Mac. Mm-hmm. And then the paper said Alize, like Alize Mac. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's right. But it was at the combine, so I wasn't sure. That's not the question I have for you. I'm not putting you on the spot <laughs> of how to pronounce well, Alize Mac. Did you ask him? No, because I didn't get to him because there was 15 okay. Notre Dame people trying to talk to him. Gotcha, gotcha. He was at one of the tables, too. Like, he wasn't even at the podium, and there was still, a, like, a crowd around him because all these Notre Dame people show up. But in any right. case, uh, what do you see from him? Because I've been, and this is just maybe because I'm a Notre Dame fan, and for everybody out there knows this, I am the first person to criticize my teams. So I have criticized Notre Dame play. I was, I am not an Equinemius St. Brown fan. I never will be. I told people that was last year, and maybe he proves me wrong in a few years, but I just wanted to throw that out there. But I have been a fan of Mac because I think if you look at the quarterback play, you just spoke of that with Oliver and everything, is that I saw the potential for Mac where – he can get those off-target passes where he can get at the contested level where he can, you know, you kind of adjust to the quarterback. At the same time, there's route running, there's comebacks, there's all that stuff. So I see the downside. I know that he needs development, but and I don't think he's a year one impact, but I see Mac as potentially being that. Remember when third-year tight end, a third-year wide receiver used to be a thing? I feel like Mac could be that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, – you just kind of summed him up. Like, he could be this. He could be that. It's just – I don't, I have no confidence that he ever will be. And that's why I'm, I'm a little bit down on him. Uh, the talent's outstanding. There's no question. I feel like I've been hearing about the talent for five years now. Uh, you know, I <laughs> hearing about Alizé Mack as a, as a freshman and what he's doing in practice and, Oh, we got to watch for this guy. I feel like I've been hearing about him for so long, but then he was suspended because of academics. And then, you know, he struggled to get on the football field. And I mean, just, you look at his production, or lack thereof, I should say. And when you look at his career production, and it looks like uh, a, a full season. I mean, his career at Notre <laughs> Dame, 68 catches, 716 yards, four touchdowns. Like, that that's uh, an average full season. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's an average full season for, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of other tight ends and, and pass catchers. So, I, I get the the talent. I mean, it's easy to love the talent. 6'4", 250, 4'7", athlete, uh, really smooth guy very athletically skilled, but the drops were an issue. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he did not develop as a route runner. There's just no consistency there. Like he was supposed to be at the senior bowl, but he didn't take care of his business um, in the classroom to to graduate on time. So he could be uh, at the senior bowl. So there's just a lot of, a lot of red flags that say, okay, if, he, if the light bulb hasn't come on for him to this point, it's hard to say that it's ever going to come on for him. Now, you know, somewhere on day three, take a chance on him. But if I have to draft him anywhere in the top, you know, four, four and a half rounds, I, I think I'm out on Mac. Yeah, and I, I definitely understand that. And you're not wrong in any of those assessments and concerns. Uh, here's, I'll give you real quick. Uh, and obviously, Vance McDonald went a hell of a lot earlier, but I, I could see like a Vance McDonald career, if like maybe, like I said, in two or three years, if he gets it together. Yeah, I think that's certainly possible because it's, it, he needs the right fit where he can, you know, the coaching staff or a, veteran tight end can take him under their, their wing and, you know, he can develop uh, because he has a lot of talent. Talent's not a question with him. It's just a matter of 
uh, you know, him being put in the right spot and people really motivating him to be the best that he can be. Yeah, that's certainly certainly concern concern. Uh, I want you know what before you get out of here, pit the heck out of yourself because your time's almost up. I know you got more shows you're going on today, so you know it's a little late to pimp those out. But you know everything else you got going on before you take your little hiatus and you know able to recuperate <laughs> for a few weeks. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is just the draft guide. It's, uh, you know, I appreciate all the kind things you've said about it. It's, it's really a full year of work uh, wrapped up into a 223-page PDF document. And, you know, it's, it's eight-point font the entire way through. So it's, uh, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of information. I've never had someone come up to me and say, you know what, there, there just wasn't enough detail in that thing. <laughs> and so uh, if you're an NFL draft fan, um, you know, if you, if you really love, uh, you know, these prospects and learning about them, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. If you're looking for all the full uh, pro days, uh, combine numbers, it's in there for every single player. Um, all the production, of course, the analysis, my opinion on the player, what he, what he does best, what he needs to get better at, what he's going to be at the next level. Um, I, I think it'd be a really great resource for you. And of, of course, you know, I, I, you and I both agree, we're big believers in what we do at The Athletic and you know, all the content that's uh, available for athletic subscribers. But the guide's kind of like a perk, you know. If you're an athletic right. subscriber, this is a perk for you to really enjoy and uh, you know help make your experience even better. So hopefully you uh, you consider it, and I promise you won't be disappointed. No, hundred percent. That's a great way of looking at it. Too. I mean, you're basically getting something people will probably pay fifty dollars, a hundred dollars for that is just part of who you're over there. Like you said, a perk. And if you want to send send Dane anything, send him like pictures of himself so he can show them to his kids while he's gone. <laughs> so so they remember what daddy looks like. But follow him again at DP Brugler. Make sure you're following him work at the athletic over the NFL section, obviously. And I will be back next week for a little bit of pre-draft prep for all you guys, fantasy and everything. So I'm at all a kid, you guys know that. I appreciate you all. I'll talk to you next week.